Hello Cult Hackers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen, Celine's dad. I'm an organisational psychologist, uh, also interested in cults. I was a member for around 30 years. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. So, so Celine, your, your subject, your topic today. Yeah, so basically I text you um, a little while ago the 5th of March, and we're now recording on 17th. Look at us planning ahead. Um, so I said, um, do you know of any psychological effects on humans that makes us reject balance? You know, the desire for one thing to be right rather than a multitude of factors. And then you said, I think there's a bias related to that. I'll check. And now here we are. Presumably. Yeah. In fact, you found one. Well... I, I guess I didn't find one, but I found... Because you know what? Multitude what? of factors, isn't it? <laughs> is it a simple question or is it a complex question? Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of stuff wrapped up with this, um, which so... is ironic in many respects. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but um, it, it helps in answering the question. So yeah. I guess, shall I kind of set, like dive yeah, into a little bit more it. as to why I even asked that question? So yeah, please. I was... Um, I was watching some like I think critique videos or like I was just sort of pottering around the house listening to critique videos um and the thing that I've noticed when I listen to basically people that engage with papers in science is that they will basically always tout what the science and the research often touts which is balance multitude of factors many things are impacting on things whereas um for instance in this particular video I was watching was critiquing like um, like a health and wellness kind of one size fits all. If you do this, you'll be healthy and everything will be fantastic. Um, and then often that's just not true. One change in your life is not in fact going to make you the all-knowing, all-seeing space baby at the centre of the universe. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was kind of, I thought to myself, why is that so... Um, captivating I guess as a concept why do we so wish it to be true because I think even though we might know in our heart hearts it's not true we do want it to be true we'd love if our problems could all be condensed down to one solution so if I just go to bed early and I get the the golden amount of sleep my whole the rest of my life will fall into place and everything will be perfect or I just need to exclusively yeah, I just Making need to exclusively eat bananas and then yeah. life is fixed or exclusively carnivore. You know how, how there's all of these different diets are completely at the other end of the spectrum, but they're both telling you they're the exact perfect thing. And this is why and your whole life is fixed now. Yay. Why is yeah. that so alluring? And you also had a thought around the cult angle as well. So what, what was your question around that? Yeah, so my cult angle as well was, um, I think it's particularly like prevalent for what we talk about and for our listeners, because a cult is very much, I guess, pivoting on this, um, on this idea of just do this and then your life will be fine. So just believe in Jehovah or just, you know, pray seven times a day or do whatever the, the list is and it'll be fine then. So this... Um, yeah, one size fits all kind of system. It seems to fit with the culty thing. And I think that's why you get a lot of cult-ish groups spiking off of these sort of wellness 
things um like the the crunchy um crunchy mom cult um yeah you see i have no idea what that means so you'll have to you'll have to tell me what a crunchy mum is it's um you know i think it's a it's a, a, a i guess a group of things but like maybe for instance being um anti-vax organic it can't be genetically modified food because i've got you know the very a bit natural raising of my natural baby sort of thing um, okay but this, you see how we can all get into a bit cult-ish mm. um and i just thought yeah that's quite interesting and maybe for the second bit of that of the culty conversation is if you've been in a culty group are you more prone to these kind of one size fits all or would you be more inclined or desire these things to be true because you've been in that environment before okay so this is Um, the heart this is a big conversation it is a big conversation and and um, when I was doing a bit of reading about this uh, and thinking about it um, I got to thinking about all sorts of elements of this but it, it seems to me that at the heart of what you're talking about here is this this um, tension between simple solutions and complex solutions. So, you know, is is the world or are solutions to problems likely to be more effective if they're simple or are they likely to be more effective if they're complex and then you could you could extend that and say well is the world actually complex or is it actually basically quite simple um and it's a massively difficult question to answer um because it depends very much how you look at it but i feel like the emotional thing is we want it to be simple but my gut is we want it to be simple but it's not simple i think it's what I feel, but maybe we, we yeah. pull this apart. Yeah. So I mean that that I think that's that's been my um, frustration uh, in life. Actually, is that people want to boil things down to just something really simple. Um, and you often hear, you know, I like simple, I like simple answers. Um, you're overcomplicating it, and so on. Um, From so as young I, as a child, you get told, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, exactly. Yeah, yeah. kiss the acronym. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we're always looking for a simple answer. But on the other hand, um, when I was doing some research about this, I found actually claims to the opposite. So there's a website called fs.blog. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes. But this the title of this blog is Complexity Bias why we prefer complicated to simple and they cite some research um, that I haven't looked up myself but it does ring a bell where they gave participants three numbers uh, such as two four and six and they asked them to generate a hypothesis by asking um they, they were given opportunity to ask the experimenter about other number sequences. So basically, they were looking for a rule. So if you're given three numbers, two, four, and six, you know, they wanted people to come up with a rule. And you could do that by asking for other number sequences and gradually getting more information, getting more data, and hopefully come up with the, the actual correct rule. So if I was to say to you, what's the what's the rule with three numbers, two, four, and six, that if you apply to other numbers 
you'd get a similar thing. What would you say that was? Oh no! On the spot, fear. Two, four, six. <laughs> no, it's just a, it's not a difficult. Just times question. tables, isn't it? So you might say, okay, it's it's add two onto each number. So that would be a hypothesis. Um, but the actual hypothesis was that you're simply. It doesn't matter how many numbers higher you're going. You're just increasing the numerical value every time. So it could be one six and 300 it could be two seven and nine thousand that would also be the rule so the idea was that we'd come up with a more complicated rule but most people would come up with a more complex rule like it's multiples of two or something else um, whereas the simplest answer was it's just the next number is higher than the previous one so that is said to support this idea that we tend to look for things to be more complicated or more complex than they actually are uh, or we have a tendency we have a bias towards complexity well we do we are pattern finding machines but i don't know is that is that complexity or pattern finding i don't know well in some respects our that's a really good interesting question i mean i would and i'm not you know i'm not i've not studied in this area so i'm just guessing as much as you are really but i would suggest that the the possibility is that if we are looking for patterns that in itself is an act of reduction so we are trying to find patterns and that the pattern finding element means we can simplify what we're looking at and that's that's a natural uh, process so that would suggest the opposite to this article actually what we're trying to do is find patterns and patterns are in many ways a way of redu- reducing complexity you know if you can see a pattern in it then you don't have to understand every single molecule so if you see a cloud and it looks a bit like a face or something then what you've done is you've simplified that mass into something that you can recognize and remember you don't need to understand all the positions of the water molecules or even how a cloud forms so that's satisfactory then you've got something so i think that that suggests the opposite so it feels to me like there's a definite difference of opinion almost like a philosophical way of viewing the world you know is the world complex or is it simple should we be looking for simple answers or should we be looking for complex answers but when you say that that in itself creates a binary which is another way of simplifying the world so it's like is it this or is it that and it could be a lot of things and it could be bits in between so yeah it's really interesting i mean the world of business often tries to impose simplicity onto problems and there's often a a drive to simplify things and that's for good reason because the more complex the system is the more likely it can go wrong the more difficult it is to understand it Um, but I wonder sometimes whether it's it's actually a uh, an illusion you know, simplicity might just be an illusion. Uh, there's the the other thing that this article claims, which I think is interesting and relevant to our podcast, is that they claim that complexity bias leads to conspiracy theories. So, or it's part of the reason why conspiracy theories are so popular. So, you know, if something happens or you see something on television um, 
I mean, it gives it gives some examples here. Uh, I think one is that you know a a video of a politician uh, looks a bit odd because it was shot in a a bad light or you know you know how sometimes photographs look a bit weird because that's just a um, a frozen moment in time. Um, well, instead of it being just that, then people look at that and say, oh yeah, there's an example of a reptilian alien who's wearing a politician suit you know um so instead of it being a simple thing it's a it's a complex thing that is then tied to something else um they also link it to things like jargon so you know um scientists in fact any area of expertise has its own jargon so is that a drive to complexity where actually the answers are quite simple but then um, so, the yeah. opposite, I suppose, of that. Like, I'm not a big jargon fan, but we do live in a world where it is used all the time. Um, but is that not? So this, just saying this to um, emphasise how there is a difference of potential philosophical feeling. Um, jargon could also be seen as within the group, simplifying because it's quicker to say. It's once you all know the jargon, it is simple and quick, I suppose. So saying like um dftba merch rather than don't forget to be awesome merch is just quicker and if you're all in the group you all know what it means you know yeah yeah um so it's complicated from the outside and there's a bit yeah. of extra complication in learning it but once you mm. know it it's um quick and easy to use like how many papers will use the acronyms rather than i mean it drives me mad how yeah the use of acronyms in, in uh, scientific papers. It's just like, it, they will say the whole thing once, but then from then on, it's all, you know. Yeah. Uh, FA, FAB and TSY and... Um, I do enjoy that in my most recent role, I was provided with a jargon buster, though. They were aware yeah. and that was appreciated. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, here's, here's my view, Celine. So I'm going to... I'm going to spout off what I think here and maybe if the world's complicated or simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my philosophy on this. Um, so, and, and maybe you, you can tell me whether you, what you think about it. Um, and I'm happy if you completely disagree. So my view is that the world is actually a complex system. Um, and it's everything about it is complex. If you think about physics, um, physics is probably the most um, basic fundamental way of understanding the world and that's pretty complex but you can you can get rules and or you can identify what you might call rules and laws and you can express those in mathematical terms but you know Thomas um, will our friendly scientist um, your fiance um, will explain how a a fairly lengthy looking formula will explain something that's going on, um, and he'll be able to understand that uh, that language if you like, whereas we we wouldn't be able to understand what that means. But if you then if you say well that's physics, if you then take that to the way that human beings behave, let's say in a society, um, let's say in a in a country or a nation or even in a local community, then you've got all these different 
people behaving in various different ways. And we talked last time about moderators and mediators in relation to things like reactants, so how people respond to being told what to do, for instance. Even that relatively simple thing, it's really hard to predict. And if you can't predict it, then what that suggests is that it's a complex system. It's a difficult system to be able to predict. What you might be able to do is create... A, a sort of percentage of likelihood of certain things happening and that's really what you're trying to do in a psychology experiment or something you're looking at whether by tweaking one thing you can change the percentage of times somebody does this thing but that's as much as you can do you can't say in any one given occurrence that this person is going to react in this particular way or at least it's rare very rare that you can do that I mean there's a few obvious ones like if somebody's um, being chased by a, an axe wielding madman then yeah we can predict people's behavior in those situations up to a point but you actually can't know whether everybody's going to run away or everybody's going to fight or which ones are going to do what you can predict within certain levels of certainty but you'll never know for sure so this all suggests to me that life is complex and things are complex. And actually, if you're seeing life as complex, then you're you're getting closer to the reality of life. You're getting closer to what's actually going on. But that in a practical sense might not be very useful because you become um, inundated by data and we're unable to take into account all of these factors so actually what we have to do as human beings is we have to simplify it in order to be able to act upon the information that we're getting so there is a practical need to simplify there is a practical need to be able to um, create what's called heuristics and a heuristic is essentially a rule of thumb. So it's going to say, right, in these situations, this is what is happening. But it really is only a rule of thumb. It's, a, it's just a story that makes sense most of the time. And so this heuristic is the thing that we're going to go with. Um, and so we have loads of them. And that's what leads to all the biases that we, you know, we read about. And we can talk about some of these because then they are relevant. But actually what these biases are doing, they're simplifying a very, very complex world. And they're doing that for very good reasons. I mean, some of them are evolutionary reasons. You know, you'll, you'll simplify what you're seeing and how to understand it based upon what our brain can cope with. Um, and so for me, that's what's going on. So the world is complex. Certainly the social world is incredibly complex incredibly complex i mean solutions to political problems or social problems things like homelessness or um, poverty um, violence within families um, even things like cults of course that's a great example this is a complex problem but in order to be able to do something about it we need to be able to at least simplify it to a degree so that we can make some rules around it. So, yeah, there you go. I'm going to stop talking now. That is my way that I see it. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think I um, agree largely because I do think the world 
is complicated <laughs> you know what I mean there's a lot of I just I just think if it were simple we'd have we wouldn't have so many issues if you know what I mean it would be if it were simple surely we'd be able to just fix it you know um but also I, I suppose my thing is it, it it's going off from what you've said there is we we need some simple in order to kind of I guess cope <laughs> to yeah, not be right. overstimulated um yeah. and overwhelmed by the complexity of life um so maybe I guess the the next question there to follow up is to know when to simplify and when to accept it is complicated and we're going to have to tackle it in a complicated way. When can we, when do we need to be heuristic and when do we need to be holistic, (laughs) taking Mm. a larger approach, a multifaceted (laughs) approach. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think maybe that's, and yet again, it comes down to, um, creating two binary choices here um but i think that kind of accepting it probably is always quite complicated but sometimes we're able to simplify it down and um sometimes we just can't and we're gonna have to deal with it in a more complicated way and then yeah how do you do that (laughs) yeah well i think that is the that is the big um that is where wisdom comes in i think you know so we we often talk about knowing stuff but wisdom yeah knowing when it doesn't matter because how much as a kid did you care so much and it was just so unimportant it mattered so much and (laughs) did it (laughs) no yeah so i mean there's so there's so many situations where consequence as well i was just thinking isn't it it's um I guess the reason it matters more when you're younger is you don't know the level of consequence on if you decide that this, if you decide this is simple, actually, it doesn't really matter. Like once you've gone through a few things like that, you know that even if you're wrong and it actually does have more bits to it than you knew about, you're like, even worst case scenario, it's not that bad. You can kind of accept it and be like, I'll take it simply. Um, Whereas, I guess when you're younger, you don't always know if, um, if, if based on experience, you don't know if if if, if it's going to be the right choice or not, and you kind of want to, I don't know, you want to think it through. But oh, it's so exhausting, and it depends on your personality. Is the other thing I think yeah. I'm thinking about. Some kids just do not care. I I overthought too much, and I think with yeah. time, I'm learning to simplify, and that things don't matter necessarily as much all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I think you get that from me. You know, I think that's. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, I've always, I've always thought a lot about things, and I think that that allows you. Sorry. We're ruminators. Ruminators, great word, yeah. But I think that gives you some benefits, but it also, of course, yeah, it's there are some nice things about about being just very. Um, very sure about your choice where I, I'm never sure about my choice I'm always um, looking at the alternatives and thinking right is this the right thing to do and it is true that sometimes that does paralyse you because you're, you are just reminding me of that thing we talked about before do you remember that when you used to um, I, th- I don't think um, we always helped you really with making decisions you know so I mean your mum was worse than me, really. She'd say to you, are you sure you want that? 
thing. What about this? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. And you started crying. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I was like, look, leave her alone. Just let her choose. It doesn't matter if she doesn't choose the right one, does it? <laughs> That's quite funny. The stakes are so high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that's perhaps one of the... You, you're looking... Your question really is how do we... How can we know when to apply a heuristic, if you like, or when to take simple simple choices or to see it more simple... more sim- To see it more simply... Or when to actually dig into the complexity. And I guess because you can always dig there. into it. I guess that's yeah. our position is we think everything is complicated. You always can make it such. Yeah. But do you so, always have to? That's right. So the question, one of the questions we should be asking ourselves is uh, what are the consequences if we get it wrong? And does it matter that much? And that's probably one of the areas where um, if you are like us and, and sort of overthink things, um, then actually one of the questions you could ask, well, actually, if I get it wrong, does it really matter? You know, And if the answer is no, then we'll just make a choice. It doesn't really matter. And then uh, I suppose the other thing, and I've had a, a little bit of a Twitter discussion. This is going back years before I was um, focused on Twitter and I was more talking about business and so on. Um, and I can't actually remember, I think it was my tweet about um, thinking and planning things through before you do them. And I had some kickback on that with people saying, actually, no, you're much better to do something and then adjust um, to what's happened. And I think in a way that, again, reflects these two different philosophies. You know, do you sit, think about it before you do it, think about all the pros and cons and then do it? Or do you just do it and then respond to whatever happens afterwards and i don't think there is actually a right or wrong way my again my own personal view is that in business particularly we've probably gone a bit too far on the well just do it break things and see what happens and i think we're starting to see some of the results of that now in fact one of the persons that um responded to me said you know they quoted elon musk and the way that he does things he's never planned he's always just done it and, and then, Twitter exploding. Yeah, and then just responded. But this is going back years. So this was before, you know, um he'd kind of talked in the way that he does now. But um but I've always thought about that and I've thought about that recently with the way that he's handled his Twitter um purchase. And it, it feels to me like that is actually what he's doing. He's kind of trying things, seeing what happens and then responding. Well, you know, that can be quite good in some respects, but it also has some, some pretty high risks attached to it because you can really do a lot of damage in the meantime as you're essentially fumbling around in the dark, you know. I was raised in a cult. Of course, if you'd have asked me all those years ago or anyone else in our small fundamentalist church if we were a cult, we'd have indignantly replied, absolutely not. Other groups like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they're cults, but we're not a cult. Everything became normalized, though, but it wasn't until decades later, after I deconstructed my entire belief system and walked away from the Christian faith entirely, that I began to see just how cultish the whole thing actually was. But before all of that, for over 20 years, I'd served both as a pastor and a Bible college teacher, so I had a hand in it, furthering the toxicity also. 
So in the process of rebuilding my life and discovering my authentic identity, I've got lots to work through. Things like religious trauma syndrome, rapture anxiety, and just so much more. Join me, Dr. Clint Haycock, on the MindShift podcast as we take a look at such topics as cult tactics and psychology, religious trauma syndrome and religious addiction, taking your life back after leaving a cult or high-control group, and finally, dominion theology and the dangers posed by the Christian right, not just in America, but indeed the world. You can find my show on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Who knows, it might just be time for a mind shift. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. Yeah, and I, I think for me, sometimes I go the opposite way, right? So I want to like practice something and get it right and do everything I possibly can. So then when we do it, it's perfect and it comes out rolled on the red carpet, you know, and it's everything I ever wanted it to be rather than, you know, having yeah. a, a hint of, of failure. So I have um, a challenge for myself this year, which is to uh, try new things and accept failing publicly. <laughs> yes. um, because yeah. like, I think I will allow myself to fail in private, but I will not let myself fail in public. And mm. that's not great. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause it stops you trying things, doesn't it? Cause you can't, Absolutely. you can't, you can't try everything in private and get mm. good at everything in private before you then mm. do it in quote quotation marks in front of an audience. Most of the time people aren't watching you. Um, it's something else you learn with age, I suppose. But, um, you know, you, you think the world revolves yeah. more around you when you're younger. But, mm. um, like, I was like, I'd really like to try bouldering, but I'll probably be rubbish at it. Bouldering. You know, and you just it's just rock climbing, but you, you do, like, indoor rock climbing. You know, the uh, little, okay. right. little, little hand yeah. grippies. But I was like, yeah. I'll probably be rubbish at it. So, But then it's like, well, who will actually care? And is it an issue if I fail at bouldering? Do you know what I mean? As long as you've got a good harness on. Well, it's it's that it's not very high. You just fall into like soft, squishy stuff. You just it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's yeah. but there's there's an in between, isn't there? So of, of these things of in as in like that I'm aiming to meet. But yeah, just going mental and trying everything without mm. any forethought or paralyzing yourself thinking it yeah. through and there's got to be an in the middle where you there's a balance isn't there i think a balance that. yeah yeah um all right let's um let's let's apply this to to cults then and um i've got a bit of a hypothesis that again i'd like you to um tell me what you think about it and i've only just thought of this so it's not it's not thought through. I don't know if there's any research about it. I highly doubt it. But it's a chit-chatty um, philosopher. Exactly. Um, so I think that cults um, 
oversimplify the world to get you in and then overcomplicate things to keep you in. I see. That's my hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So in terms of to get you in, I guess it's normally life is, aren't you having a shit time? You could be having a good time. (laughs) Come in. Life is terrible. The world is awful. Everything is bad all the time. You know, you're in you're in imminent danger of dying horribly in various different ways. Um, and yeah, come in to this group and all your questions will be answered. All your worries will go away. All your needs will be provided for. And even ultimately, you're going to get the ultimate reward, which could be living forever in paradise on earth which was my ex-group, Jehovah's Witnesses, or living in heaven um, at Jesus' feet, um, or being one with the universe. Whatever it is um, that attracts you, it's a very simple message. So that's what gets you in. Um, but when you're in, then comes the, the complex rules and all the the difficult things that you've got to understand and i guess it, it differs from cult to cult um but yeah anyway that's that's my hypothesis what do you think i think that makes sense to me because yeah you um i think it's like but they won't overcomplicate being in the group being in the group is simple but being out the group is like complicated and scary i suppose like um okay so this is where i think the bait and switch comes in so um it's the the attraction to the group is is simple but then when you're in it there will be a whole set of complex rules but you don't you don't know that you at this point you don't understand or you've you've been fooled you've been tricked into believing that actually what you're doing is is fine so if you if you um you know when when i've talked to you about let's say the um the time prophecies in the bible that we used to go through on a tuesday night incredibly complicated aren't they um but in a way that's part of what keeps you in because it it um it feeds your intellectual curiosity in a way you know so you're you're doing maths you're doing uh thinking about these these strange but slightly interesting ideas um difficult to understand some concepts that are hard to understand there's there's a whole legalistic framework around the ransom sacrifice and all of that so it's not actually about just believing in jesus or jehovah and everything's great no when you get in then there's a whole bunch of doctrinal stuff that sits underneath that um and even fairly simple groups with a single leader we've interviewed lots of those people and They'll tell you all about what you had to do and what, when you had to do it. And there'll be lots of rules around it. And then it's a journey of trying to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And so on. I think that's part of what keeps you in. So, yeah, I, I guess they paint the world outside not so much as complex, but as dangerous. So it's it's a dangerous, frightening world outside. Um, and that's that's also part of what keeps you in. But I think if we're talking about simplicity versus complexity, part of what they're doing is is trying to keep you mentally 
busy to try and work it all out and understand it. Now that that might break down in some groups, and and there is some suggestion that in my old group, Jehovah's Witnesses, they are less, much less um, about all that complex stuff. I don't know how much they sit and study the, you know, um, Gentile times and the seven. Well, it's very like um, formulaic and, and all of that sort of stuff. Just like, I guess. You know what to expect with it, if you know what I mean. Once you're in and you've you're in the system and you know what you're doing, like you've gone through that process, like you said, of becoming part of the group. Yeah, it's um, it's simple in the way that you have your you have your sessions that you go to. You know, you know what you're doing. There's a routine of it. You you go through the question and answer portion. That's kind of already got the. It's what is it? It's more um you know repeating what you've read and that sort of thing so i suppose they're not trying to necessarily push you too hard because they don't want you to get critical (laughs) and consider things too much do they so yeah it'll be complicated when it needs to be when they want to overwhelm you and think oh i can possibly do this on my own or not i need this support and this leadership and this shepherding or whatever but yeah in terms of what you should be doing it's very simple it's like this is how to be good and be in and that's how to how to not yeah it's do keep doing the right thing i guess is a fairly simple message you know yeah. but um yeah but yeah so uh, I, again it's complicated yeah. <laughs> we keep going Life, back to this uh, complicated. Yeah. um yeah and i think um you know i think some of these heuristics we talked about do do come into play here so um there's a really interesting well there's a couple of good sites websites that i recommend people have a look at um that that list biases i mean wikipedia does quite a good job as well but um there's other sites there's one called the decisionlab.com and um that's quite a good site that you can see a lot of these biases and there's another one that i sent you a link to which is like a, a wonderful diagram of all the biases and how they sort of fit into groups but this particular one is called the commitment bias um and it, it's about our tendency to remain committed to our past behaviours, mm. particularly those exhibited publicly, even if they don't have desirable outcomes. So, yeah, so if we've committed to something and we've done it in front of other people publicly, then we are very loath to give up on that. Um, and it it explains that the reason for that is that we are constantly trying to convince ourselves and other people that we are rational decision makers. So we have this story about ourselves that we are rational, sensible people and we want other people to think that about us. So um, when we see people flip-flopping, and, and actually we see this on in politics as well, you know, politicians are very, very loath to ever say, actually I've changed my mind about that. Oh, is um, it? And why is it the worst? It really yeah. is. But it's um, it's something that I always try and make sure I do. If I have changed opinion, or even you know, in your mid argument, and you realise that you were in fact wrong because they're putting forward I mean, good how do points. You do that, though? I mean, I, I challenge you to explain to me how you can successfully do that in the middle of an argument. Have you ever seen anybody? ever do that the only way that i've found to do it the only way that i've thus far succeeded is i will stop for a bit 
So I'll just be like, I'll just go quiet. (laughs) And then I'll be like, fair enough. But just let it die there, really. It's not like then it's all like happy dandy because it's still a bit awkward, you know? Mm. You just had a big like thing about it and then you're like, "Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, it's so very rare. I mean, I'm sure it must happen somewhere in the world, but it's so very rare for somebody to stop in the middle of a conversation and say, actually, you know what? You've convinced me. I'm wrong about that. I mean, I I don't think I've ever heard that. You know, you know what? Thomas is quite good. He's actually, he's better than I am. Yeah. He will. He will say, okay, fair. That's a good point. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean oh, that's cool. great. What a what a catch. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, but um, yeah. I suppose it depends on. You know what else I'll do though is um that does help with me who maybe finds it more difficult to do this is I will say if I if we're having a debate or I can sense a debate coming with I'll just I'll just say at the beginning if I'm in the mood to have my mind changed then I'll let it happen and like because then it's actually a debate but if I'm like not in the mood I'll just be like I'm not in the mood for this yeah. and like maybe we can circle back on it in the future but right now it doesn't matter what anyone's gonna say because I'm just not in the mood yeah interesting yeah so but I think and I think the more the more you have stood out um publicly and held a position the more difficult it is for you to roll back on that. So yeah, uh, I guess you can change your mind or it's easier to change your mind if it's just something you thought but didn't really talk about and then, okay, I I think I think differently about that now. But if you stand up in front of other people and argue your case, and again, if you're a politician and say in front of everybody that this is your conviction, but okay, let's go back to religions and cults. If you've knocked on people's doors for the last 30 years, um, if you stood up on a platform, if you've witnessed to people informally that this thing is true and that this is these are the facts of reality, um, it's just very, very difficult. I mean, the, the sunk cost fallacy is related to this. So the idea that you've, you know, the more you've put into something, the more you've invested in something, You've invested your credibility, but also your your years of life. You know, you've invested your life into it. It's like when you end up in a job you don't really like, and then you're like, oh, no, but I've said it's great, um, and it's going (laughs) to, you know, and or like, yeah, you you know, how many people just kind of get stuck in it because they're like, well, I've committed to this being the future now. And that's, that's where cognitive dissonance comes in. So cognitive dissonance is when... At some level, you know that, but because you need to maintain your position because you don't want to back down, you convince yourself that, actually, I'm having a great life. And this is where I think, you know, the best life ever, this saying comes in. that Live your best life, yeah. Yeah, you know, (laughs) but, but, but some people in these religious groups and cults make these massive claims about their life being wonderful and this is the best life ever. Um, and I think part of that is 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 they're trying to deal with their cognitive dissonance. I mean, this is what Festinger claimed was happening in the, the original experiment, which we've talked about on the podcast before, 
but where he saw some of those who were members of that UFO cult group after it was proven not to happen they didn't go away they actually doubled down on it and became more likely to proselytize and try and talk to other people about it even if they hadn't beforehand i mean we've talked about the weaknesses of the actual experiment but i think the the concept is is a useful one and and we do see that happening you know that the need to double down on your on your stated position even though what you're saying is absolutely proven to be false like this um I think this happens in cults a lot and I've seen it happen again with like wellness groups where they'll say so for instance just to use something more innocuous like the uh the the the, the fruit lady freely the banana girl people will say your diet made me get fat actually or like I, I was really unhealthy um and all the things you said just aren't true um you know like she'll try and sell it like your ailments will go away or whatever and that didn't happen um, but then she'll double down and say, you just didn't do it right. That's right. If you'd done it yeah. right, it would be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's this, uh, yeah, you just can't see other people as well when they say it didn't work. That, that's shut down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. So that's another, that's more of a, a, a sort of fallacy again. That's And it's always the case. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you talk about politics or uh, a lifestyle or religion, if you if you have a problem, then it's always down to you. And again, we've seen that. We've listened to many of our guests on the on the podcast who said the same things about their group. You know, whenever you were struggling, maybe with mental health problems, or you just really you just lacked the belief that you really wanted to have, it was always your fault. So the the onus was always on you to do more prayer, do more study do more service and that's what you needed to do to sort this problem out so it's always your fault always down to you yeah and that's um very much uh, part of the modus operandi for cults so yeah. we have not fixed it all and created a simple answer <laughs> no i mean before we finish i think there's there's another element here that is worth just talking about and that is the tendency to create binaries yeah did talk um, about this in my courses actually in my psychology yeah. subjectivity and power for instance okay. binaries were discussed um and it came in the thing because it's um it came up in that particular class because um not only do we have a tendency to create binaries but we also have a tendency to create um a good one and a bad one so we yes so it's not just oh there's two things and those two things are equally um fine it's there are two things and one of them is the good choice and one of them is not or right. one of them is better and one of them is worse um and that was being discussed as well and i think this happens um in every walk of life and in in every area you know you think about politics particularly at the moment we seem to be creating more and more and more of these binary positions you know you're either all for this or you're all against it black and white thinking is is another way of describing this sort of psychological effect it's either it's either this or it's that and i think with sorry and it feels like the binary even extends out of that where it's like in terms of politics there is a binary of 
remove the binaries is one position and the binaries are good keep them is another position <laughs> get rid of labels yeah. i like my labels uh, to you know yeah things as well so it's it's so so complicated <laughs> if you think and but i think this this is is part of the same question you know so binaries are simple to understand you know it's either this or it's that um so again another um quote here and again i'll put the link here um it's just a guy called alan milne lees who i've been reading on medium um i use medium as a blogging site so i do read people's opinions i don't think he's you know anything in particular other than an interesting person but um he makes the point here that people aren't either tall or short height has a gaussian distribution and actually when you think about it that's a really good example you know, so one way of looking at at height for human beings is, you know, people are tall or people are short. Um, maybe you decide there's a bit of a medium there, but actually, that's not true, is it? You know, that I mean, we we say, do you have brown or blue eyes? Well, or do you have green eyes? Actually, what are blue eyes? You know, blue eyes are a lot of different shades and sometimes your eyes have different flecks in them so this is again you could describe them in a very simple way that is a heuristic i've got blue eyes but if you want to get more detailed about the real world that's happening you'd have to describe much more about the different colors within the eyes so one is is a useful heuristic but another is closer to the actual reality and you have to decide where to draw that line what binaries do is they they find a way of cutting through all of those nuances and basically saying you know you're either this thing or you're that thing and cults do this incredibly well put in inverted commas um in that they create these binaries you know um you are no part of the world this means you are separate from the world the world is bad. Everybody who hates or anybody's in the world is going to be destroyed at Armageddon. Um, this is the this is the safe place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. This is righteousness. This is evil. Um, these are all very simple binaries, and they I think they help cults because they allow you to that nice feeling that I'm well that's good because I'm in the good group um, everybody else is in the bad group so again if we find ourselves in those um, so my view is that it's not just cults we're seeing this more and more in all sorts of issues where actually some of these questions are really complex and difficult but now we want a simple answer if you think this you are bad um, and I think that just is oversimplifying issues that are really often quite complex that's my view yeah i agree i think yeah we've got um i think there's a we want to kind of have a slogan and slap it on a t-shirt and that be it yeah. and um mm. you know and that's that's both sides of of the political spectrum and and in reality there aren't two sides of it no. but there seems to be so you know you're either a progressive or you're a conservative you know um 
in this country it's it's Labour and Conservative as political parties. Um, in the States it's Republican and Democrat. But in a way those are just labels tagged on to this, this bigger thing, progressive versus conservatism. And, and there's all sorts of um, policing that goes on to determine who can belong to which group. And of course then what happens is as you as you divide the two then within each group then it's possible to divide them further so you have groups within groups and but they're all binaries so you get binaries upon binaries upon binaries and this is this is part of the atomization of society that worries me so much you know in the end you're you're basically going to have a group of one if this carries on to its logical conclusion so yeah this is this is the difficulty with this this atomization so we we all hold our strong views about all sorts of issues without without thinking about or being willing to think about the complexity of them all and i think it's how they interconnect as well because we kind of take each individual issue as one issue Whereas I think a lot of things are interconnected and um, yeah, to understand them and hopefully solutionize, you kind of need, um, you need to understand the way that they, they link to each other. Because mm. a lot of our, like we said, a lot of our issues, I suppose, are societal, social and society and, and um, our, the way we interact with each other is by no means simple. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, um, have we have we solved that? No, <laughs> and we never will. I think it's just good yeah, to have yeah. a conversation about it. Really. Yeah, I think it is, and maybe um, maybe something we should do. I don't think we've done it really for a while. Is find a, a an issue that we can argue about, and um, that might be quite fun. Yeah, for sure. Because um, we could explore that and, and what it's like to. Maybe be on different sides of an argument, but but be able to have that discussion. I we'll have to think online. I can think of one, but I don't want to suggest it online in case yeah. we'll you're like, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I can think of something. But we'll see yeah. if um, okay. if that ends up being cool. it or not. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Let's do that for for a future episode. Um, so we've got some really interesting interviews coming up, um, Celine, haven't we? we recorded three. A bit. Yes, we have. Yeah. Um, and that gives you no context dear listener we've recorded three in when it's like the adverts when they're like 90 percent better than before what eight out of ten cats owners said their cats preferred it how many okay <laughs> yeah preferred it to what is the question and <laughs> so there you go leaving you on the um on the question around um, yeah. product advertisement and that will do yeah, I've no idea why that slipped in. Anyway, um, thank you very much, Celine. I've enjoyed that chat today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, yeah, We've not had many um, comments um, on our yeah. feedback recently. You know what? Um, we need to put so... this at the start because you know what I've noticed? What? That loads of people... People don't listen to the whole podcast. <laughs> well, no. Well, I don't know. I don't look at the stats. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have noticed when I listen to other people... Mm. They put their call to actions at the start. Mm. Yeah. Would you, dear listener, have responded if we'd simply put this message at the beginning? A question. <laughs> Tell us in the comments. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> anyway, it's great. Comments are great. I love to read them, and we we like to read them out generally if we if we can. You know, um, if they're put publicly, then we think they're okay to read out. So anything that you pop on the Apple feedback, particularly, then we'll um, we'll read it out. So yeah, we'll do that. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. Cheers. See you Bye. next time. Bye.